0: Welcome, this is the Sales IQ podcast. My name is Luigi Preston and I'm on a mission to help salespeople be the best sales professionals they can be. Each week, we will bring you a different message from thought leaders from around the globe so we can help you master the art of selling. Welcome to the Sales IQ podcast. I'm your host, Luigi Preston I'm pumped, honored, and excited that you have joined us for what will be an incredible and epic episode. This week, we are talking to Justin Dry. Justin Dry is a co-founder of Vinomofo and it's a brand that is exploding. Has it happened overnight? No. And we're going to talk to Justin today about his journey, about you know the businesses that he started before Vinomofo, that sort of got him to Vinomofo. And then you know how he's been able to drive a brand and really challenge some of the largest retailers in Australia, and what those challenges were, and how he overcome them. What Vinamofo has done is incredible. He's partnered recently with the famous Gary V and Empathy Wines, and he's really positioning his brand as the go-to brand when you want to buy wine. And it's a really incredible story. And he talks about some of the highs and some of the lows of his career. Now, how does this relate back to sales? Because selling is about, you know, getting people to believe in your vision, in believing in the outcome that you're trying to achieve. So over the years, Justin has really had to sell his vision, not just to himself, to the people around him, but he sold his business previously. This is an incredible story because when he figured out that, you know, who he sold to wasn't aligned with the the outcome they were trying to achieve, they bought it back, which was, you know, a, a huge decision that he decided to make. So this is a brilliant episode and we also dive deep into the mindset that you know Justin develops so that he can be the best entrepreneur, be the best business person that he can be. So there's a lot of great takeaways from this particular episode and I'm really excited about this because Justin is an entrepreneur that inspires me every day to be the best sales professional I can be. So before we get into the episode, guys, please jump online, jump on LinkedIn, connect with me. Also, rate us wherever you listen to your podcast, share it as we want that love and we want more people to subscribe to our platform and we have some incredible guests just like Justin coming up over the next coming months. So guys, enjoy the episode and hope you you know get a lot of inspiration out of this conversation with Justin. Pumped, excited, welcome to the show, Justin.
1: Hey, buddy. Good to be here.
0: Oh, awesome, man. I know we've had a few technical difficulties and some user stupidity difficulties, but we're finally here, man.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I've, um, I've never seen a guy with a more expensive setup not be able to work it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, man, I was super embarrassed, so I'm so humbled that you've decided to continue having a chat with us, man, so thank you so much.
1: Of course, my pleasure.
0: So, mate, um, as I mentioned, been been some time we're trying to get you on the show because, you know, we are big fans of what you're doing. Um, Vinamofo is an incredible brand, and it's going global. But before we get into sort of how you built that brand, we'd love to learn a little bit more about you and how, you know, how you started in the wine industry.
1: Okay. So, wine industry, I mean, wine's in my DNA, my... Um, ancestors planted some of the first vines in the Barossa Valley so there's some Shiraz vines there that are you know 140 150 years old Uh, so I guess it's 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 in the blood Uh, a couple of my uncles looks that you study at uni um, actually taught me at uni Um, and then there's another one that's also in the science side a bit even more nerdy I think Um, but I had those two kind of Force feeding me wine from quite a a young age, which sounds inappropriate, but (laughs) um, (laughs) you know, family Christmases and events and stuff, they would line up wines for me to taste, um, you know, and I'd be doing these uh, uh, flying tasting things where, you know, that like three or four and say, all right, I need to know that vintage and the region um, and the variety. And I'll be like, I have no idea. I don't even drink wine, but <laughs> it kind of, it was really fun. And, and I kind of got really hooked on the game of it. And then by the time I was 18, I was a complete wine nerd. I, I gave up my uh, 18th birthday that my parents suggested, which was, you know, a whole bunch of people coming over, hiring a big kind of tent and having a keg kind of party. And I I put all the money into one bottle of wine because I wanted to try a really expensive bottle of wine, which was the uh, 1977 Penfolds Grange. It was my birth year. And I'd never tried expensive wine before. And I was like, rather than a party, I'd, I'd just rather try a really nice wine with my family and have a good dinner. So I I guess it's kind of in the DNA, I got super passionate about it young and then it kind of carried through for the rest of my life. I I studied at at uni, I studied like wine marketing, which then ended up in a marketing degree and then a little bit of wine making, I went and did vintages uh, and made some wine, I worked in a wine store, I held wine tasting. So by the time I was like, you know, 23, um, I've done almost all the things you can do in wine at that age. Um, before I left um, the industry for five or six years, um, and made my way back uh, post that.
0: Man, that is a uh, you know. Well, if anyone's got a passion, you know, you've definitely demonstrated that passion from an early age. And and when did you decide to turn that passion into an actual into a business to to make some money? Look, I
1: I worked in the industry when I was younger, having finished uni, and I was yep. deciding between you know, is this a passion or a profession? So. Uh, I thought maybe uh, after a few years in it and studying it and living and breathing it for so long that maybe it was just a passion and maybe it wasn't the profession that I I wanted to go forward with. So I tried a few other things out. I had been starting businesses since I was a kid. You know, I had my first business when I was 10 um, and that was like lawn mowing and uh, car washing. Um, I had my first employee at 10 and a half um, who was my cousin. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I also fired him (laughs) (laughs) because <laughs> he was more interested in the lollies than actually doing the work. But, um, uh, and then you know, I had a couple of others, You others know, when I was 14, etc. So anyway, long story short is I was super interested in business and I was super interested yeah. in wine. And so when I got to about 23 and I'd worked um, and lived and breathed wine for a, quite a while, I wasn't sure, maybe I should try something else. So uh, I went and studied financial markets, became a stockbroker for a few years that was the you know tech boom, so late '90s. Yeah. So everything I touched turned to gold. Uh, I was still there in the early two thousands when it didn't work as well, which was the tech <laughs> crash. And all my friends that thought I was a genius in the late '90s didn't think I was as smart in the early two thousands. Um, and I, but you know, I I kind of made a bit of money and yeah, you know, lost a bit of that, but still had some left yeah. over. I uh, didn't like the industry as much uh having seen what it looks like in an awfully tough period so yeah. i uh, tried something else which is property development uh convinced uh, a guy to sell me two big parcels of land with no money down um, did a first development on the first parcel which is 15 townhouses uh, pre-sold it all uh, made quite a bit of money second parcel of land did the same thing with 28 uh, and so i oh, was yeah. a young guy with a fair of money uh, and a few businesses behind me uh, and then I, I made a fatal mistake, almost fatal mistake of uh, going guarantor for someone I cared about deeply and uh, lost all that money. So uh, that was the point where I decided to re-enter the wine industry. That was my late wow. 20s, early 30s.
0: <laughs> yeah. So you've definitely had, you know, an experience from from business in a range of things. And what I want to ask you, obviously um, – you know, the word entrepreneurship has become a cool word, right? Um, but many, you know, have built businesses um, previous to the word becoming um, cool. And you're exposed to some challenges growing up where, you know, business didn't go well. Do you mind sharing with us, you know, the impact that your exposure to, you know, a family business not, not going well and, and, and how that shaped you to have the mindset you've got today?
1: Yeah, sure. So, my uh, dad was an entrepreneur, you know, he wasn't called entrepreneurship yep. back then and I think it was called sales <laughs> or, yeah. and it, it wasn't such a cool, cool word but uh, I grew up in a family that was running its own businesses. Um, from you know when I was born really and I saw the highs and lows of that um, some of those worked some of them didn't uh, there was some spectacular failures where you know I think I was tw- about 12 and we lost the family home and everything uh, around it and that was pretty challenging to go from you know yeah. um, living I guess a fun exciting safe kind of childhood to seeing yeah. um, your family lose everything and you know having the house sold out from underneath us and uh, the cars and this lifestyle changed completely. Uh, So that was like super challenging. And, you know, I think safety is such an important thing when you're a kid. So it has a lasting um, influence, I think, on your life. And uh, even if you, I guess, go through the journey and think that you are have dealt with and are dealing with the things Uh, that have happened in your past. Sometimes it takes longer than you think and and it has an influence in ways that you don't recognise until you actually dive deep into those things. So I think seeing those ups and downs from such a young age um, has had a big impact on my
0: life. Yeah. And one of the things that I got the opportunity to see at um, an event you did or you you were uh, talking at about a year ago was your morning routine. Um, and how that, you know, how you really set your day up for success, and do you mind sharing, you know, what you do when you get up, and why it's so important to you?
1: Sure, yeah, I went through um, some pretty serious challenges when I was in my late 20s, I'd, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd gone guarantor and I'd lost um, uh, a lot of money, and my mum got sick, and my girlfriend left me and there was a whole bunch of, yeah. you know, you're, you're dealing with no money, um, you're now single and your mum has, has cancer. So it was yeah. it was pretty awful kind of period of time and I, I did kind of uh, live in a way that probably wasn't very conducive to being positive and happy and successful. Um, for yeah. a, a couple of years I was kind of, I, I was hiding a little bit and I was living a, a life that, Um was pretty unhealthy, to be honest. And I think there was there was a point in time where I realised that I couldn't keep doing that, that I had to face the music, step up, um, and and give it another crack. And uh, I think I I guess I'd grown up. Uh, really interested in like personal development uh, and i had gone to lots of courses, I've listened to lots of CDs, tapes, even though not many people would remember tapes, but um, (laughs) those types of things to kind of get yourself in the right um, mindset. And so going through this really dark period um, and then realizing that I needed to make a big shift, um, I kind of called on a lot of that experience and learnings over that, you know, last kind of 20 odd years um, to get myself back in the right mind frame and, Part of that process led to a daily ritual, which evolves a bit depending on where I'm at and what I need to be focusing on. But the basic structure is I've got a couple of things up on my bathroom window um, that I look at every day. One is uh, a, a list of kind of four things, four statements, uh, which is yeah. around, you know, uh, closing your eyes, feeling your power and knowing what you're meant to be doing and stepping up and doing it kind of you know, thing and then the second one is two circles there's an inner circle which is um where you go or can go if you get caught up in ego and darkness and it's not a happy yeah. place and then there's a couple of arrows that come out from that which uh alongside words uh, elevate up and solve which means get out of the dark place get over your ego and elevate up your thinking and solve the issue and then on the outside yeah. circle is all the words that kind of represent who you need to be and who I want to be um, to live a successful, happy, fulfilled life. And um, so that's my kind of process. So Every morning I look at it, close my eyes, go through that first kind of four or five steps. Then I look at the circles and just make sure I'm thinking about life and business and challenges in the right way. And then I get started with my day. Uh, And that process, you know, I add things to that and take it away, yeah. depending on um, what I'm thinking about at the time. You know, there's also um, a series of cards that I have on my desk at work. So that's before I leave work. Is that kind of process? And then when I get to work, there's a series of cards and statements and quotes that I read just to get myself in the right mindset mm-hmm. for the day. Um, so there's there's a couple of steps.
0: And do you find it? Is there? Do you mind me asking? Are there any days that you don't, you know, do your routine, or is this something that you do every single day?
1: I try to do it every single day. However, yeah. there are days when, I'm, when I sit back and I'm thinking, why don't I feel good? Why am I not thinking about things in the right way? Why am I looking at the issues or challenges? And why am I not stepping back um, and up and thinking about the opportunities? And it's usually the days that I've forgotten to read my cards uh, <laughs> or forgotten yeah, to go okay. through the process because it's something that I feel, for me personally anyway, I have to keep on. I have to keep doing mm. it. Uh, it's it's not something that you can slacken off on. And yes, you can miss a day or two here and there, and maybe it won't because, you know, it builds up momentum over time. But I do notice when I miss it um, consistently, and I do notice most days if I actually do miss it. And it's, I think it's a bit okay. like meditation. I'm not sure if you've done much meditation, but uh, I've done it for now like a, on a decade. And I oh, think wow. the time set, there's times when you get into a real pattern and you start building momentum and you don't actually realise how powerful it is until you then stop it for a period of time and you yeah. and you see, you see things change and you see things kind of fall away and you see the way you handle things kind of um, change. And I think mm. it's only when you stop doing it that you see how powerful it was while you were doing it. And I think maybe those daily rituals are a bit, the same in that yeah Um, so i think meditation getting right mindset are things that build up momentum over time and you only really see the um the negative side of not doing those when you let them fall either side
0: yeah and how you know that mindset i mean this is incredible right To, to hear someone like yourself who's built a very successful global brand you know business um that's really reshaping the way people buy buy wine in Australia, right, and and in other parts of the world. and I mean, how how much of your success would you attribute to the fact that you've been so focused on developing the right mindset?
1: Uh, You know what? I think it's a huge chunk. I think there's – I don't know if I would have been able to do it had I not practiced those things over time because mindset is such a big part of achieving anything because – Mm. Every day we face challenges and I think every day we feel fear. Um, and so I think I think it's been incredibly important. I mean, there's always, there's so many elements to success in business and life. There's, you know, there's the right idea at the right time. You know, there's mm. a lot of things. There's, there's, you know, there's a lot of luck that goes into success as well, but you, you have to put yourself in a position to actually be lucky. Uh, yeah. And I think putting yourself into that position takes a lot of courage. And I think a lot of courage is overcoming a lot of fear. And how do you overcome okay. fear? You get the right mindset. And so I yep. think I think it's it's the start uh, point for a lot of success is actually having the right mindset. So, I, you know, how much has it contributed to me? I'd hate to say 100%, but it, it wouldn't be far off.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. You know, because I think we all face it, right? I mean, I, I try to maintain a very positive attitude. And, you know, and I, I find that some days I, I am, you know, struggling to – to, to manage those, you know, self, you know, the negative self-talk. Yeah, we um, all Imposter syndrome, you know. And we I'm all like, do. It. It's well, about why? being
1: human. That's what being human is. We, yeah. we all have our own challenges and fears and it's how you overcome them and it's not judging yourself for falling backwards in that thought process. It's going, okay, recognizing it and then changing it.
0: Yeah, see, that's awesome. Yeah, you know, well, well, man, it's, it's such an imp- you know, incredible story that you're sharing with us and, and one thing that I love about the brand that you've created is um, I mean if we fast forward you know from the time that you were 10 with your cousin and you your sexy cousin into the point where you built Vinamofo, there was a time where your ownership structure changed at the business um, and went to a, a another sort of integrated with another e-commerce business and you decided to to take it back from them and, and, and buy it back would you mind sharing what was motivating you at the time to to, to you know um, take back ownership and and drive the brand that you were so passionate about?
1: Yes, yeah, sure. So the original, so we launched Vino Mofo in 2011, and it was off the yeah. back of, you know, three other online wine plays that kind of built momentum towards the launching of Vino. Uh, the first one was about building an audience. The second one was about building a network of great producers that we became really close mates with. And The third one was about introducing some deals um, and offers to that audience through that network, and then Vino Mofo yeah. kind of brought them all together. Uh, and so in 2011, we, took, uh, we launched Finamofa, it took off, uh, we were growing super fast, but then all of a sudden we were getting um, a tremendous amount of pressure from some bigger competitors that were playing a little bit nasty and yeah. uh, we realised that we needed to scale pretty quickly in order to get to a size where we could be buying enough wine from our suppliers, the producers, our friends, that yeah. they could tell the people that were putting pressure on them not to deal with us. Where to go, and so yeah. we needed to. We needed scale to do that, and there was two ways to get scale. It was to raise money and spend a tremendous amount of that on marketing, or it was to partner yeah. with someone who had a large audience. Uh, we we kind of explored both paths. Uh, the business was, you know, growing so fast that cash wasn't really an issue. Uh, yeah. we, were, we were profitable and uh, cash flow positive, so it wasn't about not having cash. It was, came more down to. How do we get a huge audience really quickly? So then we kind of explored the partnership opportunity. We talked to a big media company who were very keen. But the other company that approached us was Catch of the Day, which is an online kind of deal site. They had gone into a number of verticals. One was, you know, mums and babies. Another one was groceries. Um, And they'd started to play around in the wine vertical, but they didn't have a wine background and weren't doing it that well. Mm. They kind of approached us and said, hey, would you consider us buying you? And we're like, well, not 100% because that doesn't make sense to us. We still want a piece of yeah. pie. Uh, so we negotiated that down to 70%. And so they ended up acquiring 70% of binamofo in about 2012. And we thought, well, you know, we'd rather a small piece of a large pie than a large piece yeah. of a smaller pie, that whole thinking. thing. thing. And they had yep. 2 million customers and so that was exciting and we thought, well, if we can just get a percentage of those people, then <laughs> that will make a lot of sense and we will be huge. <laughs> uh, and so we did the deal and we sold it and we sent yep. and went into the catch group uh, and were there for about a year and it was really, a gr- it was a great experience. We learned a lot, made lots of friends, um, but unfortunately there wasn't as big a crossover as we'd hoped. We were kind of, they were very different audiences. Our audience had always been kind of premium to super premium wine buyers That um, that, and I think the audience within Catch were buying kind of uh, lower price point wines. So it wasn't yeah. a tremendous amount of crossover of customers. So that kind of small piece of a bigger pie didn't eventuate at the scale that we were hoping. So uh, we decided about a year in that it wasn't really working for us and approached the guys from Catch to uh, buy ourselves back Wow. Which was a difficult conversation, but uh, yeah, they were absolutely. actually great about it. They understood because, you know, the guys that founded that were a couple of brothers. They started in a garage, very similar yeah. story to what we had. And uh, so they understood it. But, you know, they'd, when they'd acquired us, they'd given us a little bit of money. When we bought ourselves back, we had to give them more. <laughs> so, <laughs> from <laughs> going from finally having some money <laughs> to <laughs> then giving it all back was uh, pretty tough. Uh, but yeah. the right decision in the end because as soon as we uh, convinced them and bought it back, uh, the the business took off again. You know, it, felt, it just yeah. felt different being in complete control. Um, our mofos, which is what our members call themselves, um, mm. uh, loved the fact that we had our independence back and came flooding back in huge numbers. And it ended up uh, being uh, one of the great periods for the business from 2013 onwards. We ended up being like the... Fastest growing tech company in Australia over a three-year period. Wow! We have growth rates of like eighteen hundred percent. It was just insane.
0: It's amazing.
1: Yeah. So it was a, it was a good decision in hindsight. Um, yeah. But I've, but you know not, I know a lot of people kind of have this philosophy of like you know no regrets um, and and I quite often don't believe that. I'm like well, if I could change some things, I certainly would. <laughs> uh, you know, but you can't. So you have got to move on and learn a lesson. Um, but this yeah. but in this situation. I think it was actually a good experience for us to go through that, you know, and yeah. we, we we elevated up, we experienced business at a, a different scale than we had previously, we learned that things don't always go right, mm. we, we we saw the inner workings of a much bigger business, um, so I think all in all, uh, it was a really good experience.
0: But, you know, that's, that's a pretty like, you know, bold move to buy something back, right? um and when it's you know whether it was brand alignment or you, you know you spoke about the mofos coming back um i mean you know that that's a that's a really bold move because there's a i think there's a a lot of um businesses from what i see often struggle with the concept of you know growth versus you know my, my brand right and some make the sacrifice of you know, chasing, chasing the shiny object of growth versus what's important to them from a values perspective. Um, so that's that's pretty amazing that you decided to to take it back. And was there any sort of fear at the time that you were making the right decision?
1: Oh, of course, there was, yeah. there's always that little bit of fear. There's always yeah. There's always that, and the, there's you know that little voice that's like, "Are you an idiot?" Um, <laughs> but no, I think uh, it was it was a really kind of fun, exciting, scary period because what we yeah. did when when we uh, when they bought 70% of us they they gave us some money we took some money off the table we did some yep. things that are important to us as in like look after the family um, yeah, yeah. you know uh, and so that was really nice but then when we bought it back we had to give all the money back so it yeah. was it was a scary moment and you know we had to give more than we'd actually received uh, so that was that was challenging and we had no money left so when we took mm-hmm. it over like it the the business kind of changed hands June 30 and July 1st, so that midnight point between those two if 2013. And so handed wow. all the money back, leased out some new offices, took the team with us, uh, and the first sale uh, that happened after midnight was coming to us, and the sales that happened before midnight were going to catch. So, oh, wow. Yeah. So there we were, no money in the bank, a new office to pay for, About 13 staff um, and relying on whatever sales came through post that point to pay for everything.
0: Man, that's insane.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Going from like this safety and security of very deep pockets from uh, from the previous kind of 7% owner and a business that was making, you know, was profitably growing to a point where we were taking it back. We had 13 people on the team. And new offices, and we had no money in the account. So we were like, "Oh God, I hope this works." <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and for a business that we finally hit this successful kind of streak, and you know, we finally had this project, this baby that was growing fast and doing really well, to then risk all that again was an interesting period of time. But so, you know, right. there we are; we're all up at like midnight, and we're refreshing the page every, you know, five (laughs) seconds to see a sale come through. And at 12.02, a sale came through. Um, It was like, you know, a couple hundred bucks. And we're like, yes, baby, we're back. (laughs) And and then we're all sitting there high-fiving each other and going, yes, it still works, you know, we're still alive. And then we we realized that we had to sell another $20,000 worth of wine in the next week to pay the bills. (laughs) 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 Oh, God. Um, But we did. Um, yeah uh, and it, and it grew really fast, and you know the rest as I say is history.
0: yeah, and that, you know what that's why the story of, of Inamofo is awesome because it, it, it inspires so many people that are wanting to take that step and not sure if they should take that step. you know it inspires people to sort of take action and back themselves. Um, and that's why I love about your story. so I really appreciate you sharing that with us. And mate, you, you spoke about a couple of really tough times. In your business journey, what would be sort of you know in your in your in your mind what what's been the toughest you know battle that you've had to, to overcome from in business so far?
1: The toughest battle to well, I funny thing about the more time experience I have in business, I realize that the I think the challenges don't get any smaller. Mm. You actually just get better at dealing with them. So like I remember when, you know, previous businesses even before, Vino. You, know, you know, Fino Mopo has been around now um, since 2011, which is, you know, over eight years, but we had three businesses in similar space before that. So I've been doing this online wine thing since 2006. yeah. And yeah, you know, so it's a long time. And even before that, I think some of the things that kept me up at night, you know, those sleepless nights when your mind's racing, And you think the world's going to end if something doesn't work. Uh, I think back to the things that used to have that impact on me. And nowadays, do they still happen? Yes. Are they much bigger and much more scary? Yes. I'm just better at dealing with it. I I think the things that used to keep me up at night, I'd like water off a duck's back now. So Mm. I think you just become far more capable of dealing with stress at a much higher level as you grow and have more experience in business. So what are the scariest things?
0: Probably still to come. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs)
1: Um, absolutely. To to, to be honest, to to give you a a more honed in answer, you know, one of the scary the the moment that before Vino when I lost uh, everything, that was scary um, and hard. When we launched Vino and the competitors came after us really, really kind of hard and we were playing really bloody dirty that was tough uh when we went to acquire ourselves back uh and the fear um and risk around that move was scary but exciting uh you know there's lots of different there's lots of things there's we've made plenty Mm. of mistakes the thing about the thing about business generally and particularly i guess in my personal experience is you keep making mistakes and lots of them it's as long as they're kind of you know, I, I think there's a, this kind of theory around, you know, two-way and and one-way doors. As long as mm. as long as it's a two-way door, <laughs> and you can get back in, um, <laughs> you shouldn't be too scared of the decision. If it's a one-way door, yep. look out.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's a great analogy. You know, as long as you can get back in. So well,
1: that's I, no, I that's all awesome. Sitting down, we I went away with a bunch of entrepreneurs, like yeah, from Australia, and we went away for a weekend and. Uh, that story was, I think it, it was one of the Atlassian boys. It was Michael Scott, and yeah. one of them used that, and I was like, "That's great. That's it's yeah. a really good way of thinking about hard decisions. You know, if you if you can recover and get back in, <laughs> um, it, it's a safer decision. If it's a one <laughs> way, you know, it's it's something to think about."
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so, if if you, because I mean, you know, we look at selling. And when we look at selling and business, and, and you might not be a traditional salesperson, you know, as described, but what, what you've done is essentially sell a concept. Um, you've sold an idea, you've gone out there and, and sold something just on a really big scale. So for anyone listening to this, that's either, you know, at the start of the journey, middle of their journey, whether they're selling or they've got a business or an entrepreneur, what are a couple of, you know, key strategies that you could impart to say, hey, you know, these are the things that are very important um, when building business and building your pipeline?
1: So a couple of things in building a business, uh, I think. Yeah. Look, people. Yeah. People are so, so, so crucial to a business. Like when you start, you're a couple of guys, girls, founders in a room and you are really the culture of a business. Uh, You know, like what you say, do is pretty much what the business is. And I think as you scale, uh, the demands uh, change for a business over time, you know, so you go from being generalists and everything to specialists um, as you scale up. And I think the people you need at different times change. And so I think you've got to really understand who you you need and when, and then you also need to understand that the importance of getting good people and people that fit the culture because one bad seed can really destroy a, a mm. culture in a business so probably people it's important yeah. two i think it's so so crucial and it's it's a characteristic of so many of the founders that i know that have done well is to stay super inquisitive yeah you know like I, I, people talk about this but And I keep, you know, getting smacked in the face by certain kind of ideas and concepts. And, you know, because you think you you get better and learn over time, which you do, but if if you're not dealing with accepting, knowing, learning um, these lessons, they just keep coming back at you. Mm. (laughs) And I reckon being inquisitive is one of those things because we can all get caught up in certain metrics. We can get caught up in pressures. But I think if you stay super inquisitive, and always asking questions and seeing where the opportunities lie, um, I think it holds you in good stead for a a great career, Um, and it gets you through a lot of challenging periods. So probably people, staying inquisitive, accepting that some things don't work, and that's okay. Um, Accepting that you're going to fail. Accepting that not everyone's going to like you, and that's okay. Um, there's there's a, there's so many challenges you're going to face starting a business and and growing a successful one, and I think you know best of luck <laughs> because it's yeah. not an easy ride.
0: Well, you're you know that's that's, that's some insane advice, that's some awesome advice to give anyone, um, not just in business but in also selling. You know, I mean that 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 that, that that's universal language, um, and I actually reckon it's for people that are looking to start a career or anything like that. I mean that is you know having the right people around you. I'm um, Always, you know, I think inquisitive is is a, is a great is, is something super important. Um. And then you know, constantly asking questions and try to try to learn more. So I really appreciate you sharing that with us. And just before we sort of get to the to, to the wrap up of our episode, um, has there been anyone in your in your life so far that's really influenced your business journey?
1: Lots of people yep. have definitely influenced the journey. Um. And the lessons. Uh. I think. And this is, goes against my own advice to people. I was never really great at asking for help. I was, yeah. I was never really great at surrounding myself with people that were doing better than myself um, yeah. and had more experience and had different insights. And I got most of mine from reading books, um, listening to podcasts, um, you know, I, you're showing my age, but you know listening to CDs and tapes and <laughs> all of those things that we used to do. Yeah. <laughs> that no longer exist. Uh, <laughs> but yeah like I mean I was inspired by um, the kind of better known entrepreneurs of my time. You know Rich, yeah. Richard Branson was a bit of an inspiration. read it all I liked the way he lived life you know yeah I'm, an, I'm a massive fan of islands so it helps that yeah. he lives on one um <laughs> and you know he was he was courageous he started a whole bunch of companies and there was lots of failures but lots of successes and the way he's handled that i think it's been pretty impressive i mean i don't know mm-hmm. him personally uh but i from what i've read and heard uh that's been quite inspiring for me uh you know i've read and listen to lots of different people and that's probably where I got most of my lessons outside of actually doing it uh, mm-hmm. whereas today if someone asks me I'm like surround yourself with good people ask for help still read yep. and listen but um, but there's lots of people with great experience that are willing to share and help and I think yep. uh, I think I you know I didn't do it as well as it could be but you know to be honest when I was starting there wasn't the same support networks. There wasn't the startup kind of groups. There wasn't the communities. There wasn't the um, events where it would bring these great people together. There mm-hmm. wasn't the same opportunities as there are today. So, I, you know, while I say that it's, um, I didn't do it, there probably wasn't as many opportunities to do it.
0: Yeah, and That's, you know, what I love that, man. And, and just for our listeners that, you know, obviously don't know this. But um, I bumped into you. I actually been following you for a long time and I saw you at an airport in Auckland and just, you know, did, a, did the whole groupy thing, man, and hit you up. And uh, you were more than open to me connecting with you and, um, you know, inviting me out to, to Vino um, headquarters. And, and, and that, that's why I admire you so much, mate. And that's why I appreciate what you're doing um, in business. I think you inspire so many of us To really challenge what we're doing and be the best we can be because we only get one life we get one shot and this is why people like you are really adding significant value to the business community mate so i want to say thank you because you've inspired me um and you've helped me on my business journey
1: thank you mate that means a lot um i actually i actually remember (laughs) when you came up in that (laughs) airport lounge because you know that was my first overseas holiday with my now wife
0: Oh, and I interrupted you at the no, 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 it was
1: fine, of course. But uh, that was my first overseas holiday with my now wife, who is five weeks away from giving birth to our first baby. So, oh, man. how amazing is that?
0: That is awesome. And you know what? That's the, that's the next challenge, the next exciting chapter of your life. The next uh, is about to begin, man. Yeah. So, I wish you all the best.
1: Oh, thank you. I'm, I'm going into it as I do most businesses. Ignorant bliss. <laughs> <laughs> I I I don't I know it's going to be hard, but I'm not going to think about it.
0: <laughs> well, like you said, man, surround yourself with good people <laughs> that can give you advice because I need it, man. My daughter's 17, and you know everything I knew about parenthood is out the window. Yeah, nothing works. So
1: yeah, well, I, I, the, the way I figure it is: look, I know I'm not going to have much sleep. I know there's going to be some really challenging periods. Uh, I know there's going to be times when we struggle, but thinking about it and worrying about it now is not going to make any difference.
0: Absolutely, man. So, mate, before we wrap up, where can our listeners connect with you and learn more about you and and follow you on social, etc.?
1: Cool. Uh, Mostly uh, Instagram, so it's just just at Justin Dry. Um, I'm on Twitter at the same, at Justin Dry. Uh, You'll see me on Facebook. uh, And check out Vino. I'm always on the channels.
0: Awesome. So we'll we'll share that in the show notes. Um, and again, man, I really appreciate you being a guest on our podcast. We are super excited. Your your name was actually number one on our board oh, when we much. came up with our <laughs> first fifty. No, nah, man, I'm I'm serious, Maya. We've got it. We've actually got the photo. The the very first board we came up. We had fifty names. There's still a few we haven't got, like Tom Hopkins and Brian Tracy. Yeah. Was, and Gary V. Yeah. But um, you're up there, man. So thank you so much for coming on.
1: Oh, thank you, Legend. Thanks for having me.
0: incredible that episode with justin really made me think about what is my purpose what is my mission how am i getting up every day to drive and achieve what i set out to achieve what i love about that conversation with justin is that he's very clear on his purpose and what he's trying to do in his business and in his life and he's setting up the right mindset so that he can ignore all the other negative influences that could potentially prevent him from being the best he can be so my challenge to you this week is what are you doing every day to set the right routine so that you can be the best sales professional you can be